There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. Hello, Tryhards. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Does Guten Tag mean good? No, Guten Morgen means good morning. <laughs> what does Guten Tag mean? Good day. Ah, I didn't do German in school. Uh, I did French and German um, at GCSE. Got a, got an A in both. Um, and my French has only stood me in good stead when had a few sherbets on England tour and got lost on the way home and needed to get some directions and because you learn things like aller tout droit aller à la plage or whatever it might be um tourner à, tourner à première rue à gauche um things like that that you remember um in my drunken haze i uh managed to basically sound like i was fluent french and got us back again nice and safe I think that we must store language in a part of our brain we can only access when we've had a drink because <laughs> I have no confidence in my French ability and my, <laughs> French friend ability. Yannick, my friend Yannick is convinced that when I'm drunk I'm fluent in French. Is that because he's normally had more drinks than you so can't? Well I mean we get to a point where we've both had a drink and we can mutually understand each other so Okay. Are you one of those typical Brits, though, that if a foreign person doesn't understand, you say it's slower and shout? Um, and we feel like that might actually help with the, <laughs> with the understanding. I do that. And I actually resent the fact that you say that's a British thing. I do think that's an English thing because Ooh. tend to be more, is it monoglot? Is that what it's called when you are a speaker of just the one language? Oh, because all Welsh people are, are, are bilingual. <laughs> everything, everything is bilingual in Wales, isn't it? So but that does, bilingually. But that doesn't. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you you can speak a second language. Yeah, but you can generally understand more of it and read it. So Come I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. You might um, know the name for services and exit and um, door. I'm trying to think. Anything else? This is a, gr- a great one. Gwasanathai. What's that? Services. <laughs> I was going to say, I recognise it. it, and I think it's because... Plan. What else did you say? Door is trus. 
little Welsh lesson. But I want to move on to our pause for positivity because I know what yours is going to be. It's going to be that you get to see me tomorrow. Um, it's not, but yes, I do get to see you and it will be absolutely thrilling. Um, we are doing a little project together. Yeah. Little, an inside scoop for all of our listeners. Um, can't tell you what it is, but I, I I had a, an email from Laura Jane explaining a running order, um, very, very professionally signed off. Um, and it was a little bit weird, not going to lie. I'm a little bit intimidated by how professional you may try and be tomorrow. Um, and I'm going to try and ruin that. I'm going to try and bring you down to my level. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Thanks. I, um, I colour coded it. And I think that that says a lot about your expectations of me that that's felt professional to you that I managed to make the tops of the tables pink to match my company well, logo. you also referenced me as talent which I thought was quite um which is an ongoing ongoing uh discussion debate yeah it's an ongoing uh, discussion for me because I find it very, very awkward when I'm referred to as talent. And that's kind of how, for those that haven't ever experienced it, that's how they, in the media production, ambassadorial kind of agency world, talk about the athlete, the ambassador. Um, but I, as I signed off my uh, email response to you yesterday, Laura, was um, talentless. So <laughs> hopefully I'll bring my A game. I hope so, or at least your B plus. I was actually going to be nice to you and I was actually going to say that a few weeks ago you said that five minutes is better than no minutes um, with that getting out and doing something. And I have genuinely been blown away by how much you have been committed to getting out and getting, like not even like, the sheer volume of steps that you are collating at the moment. But at the time of day, I just, you know, most of it is completed before nine in the morning when I'm surfacing. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to say I'm super proud of you. And I think just a stop and a pause of positivity for you, because I know it's, and you will, you've said, when you said your, your top tip was no mi five minutes was better than no minutes. This isn't something that you, you know, enjoy. Do. <laughs> um, I'm 28 days today of walking 5k every morning. That's awesome. And there have been days where I've done like a little 5k in the afternoon as well. Um, I will say I really appreciate you um, giving me your pause for positivity because I'm sure if we had a nod to negativity it would be that on these walks I leave you breathy voice notes where I'm generally like hi you're probably not up yet um, I'm just um on the barrage and then there's like the wind noise as well so I actually appreciate you giving me the pat on the back because it probably isn't your favorite way to start the day but I appreciate the support I really do I mean that you're welcome and um, my top tip this week actually relates to you because I know over the weekend you had some issues with your sky being unavailable because there had been a pigeon in the vicinity when I see you tomorrow I'm going to bring you some of my sparkly pigeon tape and you tie it to things and pigeons don't like it and it flaps around in the wind and they fly away 
Wow. Um, I will say, just to caveat this, it has been incredibly effective on my balcony. Former Wales international star, Dovkie Howell, I put it on hers, it didn't work as well. It, it has a kind of, it works 50% of the time, it works every time kind of vibe. But my top tip is to buy some pigeon tape and I'm going to bring some for you tomorrow. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, the, the sky dish wasn't working. Not going to lie, it was a bit bizarre having zero access to TV. And frustratingly, um, you know, being the super whiz uh, at technology, obviously I was straight on the, uh, the, the sky app to, to watch things, Nat, um, and then realised actually that you can't watch BT Sport Red Button on your SkyGo app. That was frustrating because there was a couple of games on the Red Button that I wanted to watch. However, it did give me some time um, away from rugby this weekend, which was quite nice. And as an alternative, I tuned into Premier 15s on YouTube, which was um, oh, really cool. Some really cool games, actually, some good watch. I know that you would have been watching the um men's matches in preparation for your commentating this weekend very proud to see that you are back in the booth with the big dogs yeah um, you excited yeah no i am i'm back with um the the world cup friendship duo miles and shane williams um oh. we did a game together we did wales barbarians back in 2018 autumn um, and I absolutely loved being alongside both of them they just got such amazing energy um, Shane is one of just the most genuinely lovely guys going um, and yeah every now and again I kind of was like Shane Williams like he's actually like really you, cool right <laughs> always think that. like if ever I was in a like setting where I got to work with Shane Williams I used to think oh my god this is like the player that I've grown up watching as a Wales fan and I've stopped thinking that now because all I think about is him being dressed in the greatest showman jacket and you and I being dressed as feminine Mario and Luigi doing karaoke in Tokyo <laughs> um you know so actually little little throwback to when I first properly met Shane um, was on the beers in Hong Kong uh, for the sevens. Everyone knows the story that I took my mom over there, Big Sue came over and was she was just an incredible tourist. And I have the most incredible picture of her just stood leaning against the bar, having a, having a drink with Shane, um, new bestie. And, um, and I, when I posted for her birthday, Oh, back in January, um, he actually replied and said, oh, send, send your best and happy birthday to my mum. And I was like, you know what? We could do absolutely anything. The fact that he has publicly said that he knows Suba <laughs> absolutely made her day. He is a genuinely lovely person. Um, moving on, it is International Women's Week. We're stretching it out because we didn't have time to do a podcast yesterday. So belated happy International Women's Day, my female friend. Um, I really enjoyed your inclusion on the World Rugby wrap-up this week and your ones to watch this year. Who, who did you pick? How did you pick them? <laughs> do 
you sounded like you really genuinely enjoyed it. Um, no, it was cool to so do. I feel like people at home probably or may not have seen it. And I liked sounding like a game show host there. So Okay. All right. Well, it was cool um, to be asked, actually. And you know what? I was asked, oh, can you um, can you pick five stars to watch for 2021 with the postponement of the World Cup and um, you know, being International Women's Day, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, no worries. And I was like, oh, God. Like, the honesty, it took me like a salt. I was sat like thinking about players I reckon for about an hour like trying to work out who I wanted to put in where and you know what was super cool was it wasn't just England players that were popping into my head and I just think that it it was it was really refreshing for me actually to think that it wasn't just you know obviously like Emily Scarrett and Portia Woodman were like straight in there but then you've also got other players that are competing for those spaces and um and actually in particular someone that I so the people I picked um I had Zoe Allcroft uh red row second row 24 young I coached her at Hartbury um why she's so successful um yeah. and <laughs> she's back from hear that line out of your mouth very often <laughs> Berna would have been in there obviously as a front five as well but she's out injured and, and we won't get to see her for a little while um I then picked uh Kate Zachary who is an American the American captain back row playing um in Exeter Chiefs at the moment and just absolutely carving up she's played international sevens I've played against her in sevens and fifteens um got the charge down try against Saris um made one hell of a line break against Wasps which actually got them I think to the line to score the try that drew them up close and then there was a couple yeah. of penalty kicks um and then at nine I had Laurie Sansou the little French nine who we know you love because you talk about with hearts for eyes emoji whenever we talk about France yeah she's class um and then I had Scatters in the center and Portia um on the wing but uh, honestly the amount of players I could have put in there and I felt really guilty not putting people in um but actually the other the other part of it was doing a little bit of homework on Portia because she went back to 15s and did um, the the Farah Palmer Cup and yeah. she actually was playing 13 rather than on the wing which phew, I think was even worse because she got the ball even more she made um, 61 uh, no what was it what was her stats it was 17 line breaks 61 carries and broke 50 tackles in that tournament um or in that cool. <laughs> sure from Porsche. five tries I think in one game um just absolutely insane and it was just I don't know it was really cool to actually reflect on some of the amazing talent and the fact that those players are playing this year um they won't be playing at the, a world cup which we will discuss soon oh but God. they are playing and there are there is the opportunity to be able to to watch them whether that's club or country sevens and fifteens I won't say who the player was, but when the draw was made for the World Cup and Wales were in the same group as New Zealand, a Wales international said to me that she was really excited to hopefully see Portia play live. And I was like, you're going to be playing against her. <laughs> She's going to... Okay, never mind. It's okay. I'm glad you're excited. Um, before we move on to the World Cup, there has been um, an interesting news story this week. Uh, Royal London, who I believe are an insurance company or a bank or something like that, I don't know. Um, big time, big money, are uh, looking at the possibilities of staging a British and Irish Lionesses tour or Lions Ladies. I think the uh, branding is up in the air at the moment. 
Um, there's a lot to be said about this. And we've talked about this on the pod previously. There has been a lot of talk about it being a lionesses versus South Africa. We've talked about that at length on the podcast and how it doesn't necessarily work because of where they are in the world rankings. We've offered alternatives. The obvious, obvious solution would be a lionesses team versus the Nolly Waterman um, testimonial team. But my carpal tunnel injury this year is going to rule me out of that position. If it was next summer, it might be different. That's by the by. I'd be stuffed with no other 10. Who else could I have? I know, I know. know. Let's not get into it. I don't want to get upset again. Um, But I know that you are quite impassioned by the prospect of a Lionesses versus a rest of the world 15. That's what you'd like to see. Yeah, I think, you know, you've got to look at where the women's game is at. And, you know, New Zealand would be the only opposition. But I think by having it as just New Zealand, you actually count out some amazing like world-class players and so many other teams and and then you go okay so right we'll go Lions v Southern Hemisphere and and even that to an extent is counting out some of the best players in the world I've just spoken about one Laurie, Laurie Sansu and actually the French um, hold some fantastic amazing rugby players and then you've got the the Pan Ams you know the Canadians and the Americans and actually they've got some really exciting players as well Kate Zachary being one of them so I feel like Alliance v the rest of the world is where women's rugby is at, probably for a couple of um, rotations. And actually, that also encourages players that are playing in a team because of their nationality, that actually, if they were from a different country, if they were from England or from New Zealand, they would be part of a world-class outfit and a team that would go on to World Cup finals and win World Cups. You know, I remember speaking to a couple of Welsh players after we lost in the 2010 World Cup. And obviously I was (laughs) pretty upset by the fact we hadn't got the gold medal. And they said to me, but Nolly, you've played in a World Cup final. We will never do that. And as in, you know, I'm not saying Wales great, but and I think actually, you know what, I would love, and, and maybe where we're as close to this is the Barbarians, obviously, um, but, and could it be, you know, the Barbarians is the running team that goes through the four years, they, they, they trial players and they look at combinations and bits and pieces, and then actually, you know, the select team is actually taken from somebody that has represented in the Barbarians and put their hand up for selection and then gets the call to go up against the Lions, which I think is it is a magnificent, exciting prospect for the women's game. Um, I just wish I was still playing or maybe I could just sneak in as coach or manager. <laughs> That's what I was actually going to say, and I, I mean this in all seriousness. The reality is your day has come and gone um, on the field but you are doing your coaching badges. You are on your level four. I, I mean, you rarely mention it to me, so I don't know where I've got that information from, but would you be keen to be involved in a coaching setup of something like that? How much would that excite you as a coach? Oh, it would be unbelievable. I'd love it. Um, I think the problem is for me at the moment, my my time and energy is spent in, in the media. And, and actually, if I was going to have a real good shot at that, I would want to be a professional coach in an environment where I'm on the field, you know, running programs, really kind of immersed in that role, because then you could be at your very best, because it's just like playing. If you're not playing regularly, irrelevant of how good you are, 
you it's really difficult to just step in and perform we're seeing that with the England players at the moment that are at Saracens um and yeah it's the same with anything I think any role um where you've got to you know step in and perform in in some instance um but yeah I would love that opportunity um did love a tour I did like uh, enjoying a tour as well <laughs> terrible tourist who do you think would be the coach for a, a British and Irish lionesses who's the perfect coach for it um it's a great shout I think what we're seeing is some we've we've got a, a generation of coaches that are really successful in what they're doing at the moment um I think Giselle uh Joe Yap who captained England and you know is, is doing some good stuff at Worcester um Susie Appleby has absolutely carved up she's seven consecutive games on the bounce and and actually she's brought in Amy Garnett who is the forwards coach at England Hooker um you've then got people like a slightly younger generation so then you've got Kat Merchant and Kim Oliver stepping in at Ealing, Ealing Trailfinders you've got Rocky Clark and Tamara Taylor at Saracens there are now a a plethora of coaches that are getting experience actually you talk about my level four my level four was long-term assignment was on about um stepping outside your comfort zone and what i would love to see to make those coaches better is put them into a different environment give them a different learning experience to be able to grow motivate inspire themselves to go back in because i think i got mega frustrated with lots of things within the women's game and needed to step away to feel like i was not just banging my head against a brick wall and i think having spoken to a few people spoken to looking at some of the situations at the moment there are coaches feeling that as much as players um so yeah i think that we've got some really great coaches and that's just within the english kind of setup you've also got lisa burgess rachel taylor in wales um you know and like but yeah so many other players um yeah. We're, we're in a phase now where we're talking about this Lionesses tour. There's no promises for it. If it doesn't go ahead, how um, influential and important would it be for the women's game to see a couple of women who are coaches invited onto Warren Gatlin's coaching panel for the men's if the men's does go ahead? Yeah, I think it, it, it's about learning opportunities and immersing yourself. And if you if you don't immerse yourself into something that's really hard, it's like, you know, when I go in and do like a one off with um, media, you can't learn, you know, you can't just really like pick up little bits. I, I, I've made massive strides because I've been consistently immersed into a role within the commentary um, with Channel 4 and ITV. And uh, LJ, the problem is all of those coaches I've listed off, all right, Rachel Taylor is the only one that's coaching an international female side. So uh, uh, I'm listing off all these amazing female coaches, but none of them are coaching, the, 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 the coaches for England are, are a team of three men. Yeah. So probably that's where we need to make some changes as well, because if this became a situation where the Lions was introduced and a male coach took over, it, it, would go against everything in my opinion but that is about the growth of the game and the development because i genuinely believe that the female coaches in our game are as good if not better than the men in our game so in, when i talk about our game i mean the female side yeah explosive jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, we move on to the biggest story in, in arguably in world rugby at the moment. And that is that as of today, the postponement of the World Cup um, has now been ratified by World Rugby. They have pledged £2 million to the teams taking part. Uh, we obviously don't know who all of those teams are as it stands still. It works out about £165 grand per team. Um, you definitely didn't just work that out off the top of your head, did you? <laughs> really good at math. I'm so glad that VAT is now 20% because I've had to do invoices this week and 17.5% is really hard to work out. <laughs> Saved my bacon. Um, no, I used my calculator earlier. I took my shoes and socks off. What do you want me to say? Uh, what do you think? What do you think of this? I know that you are um, impassioned uh, by this topic. Yeah, look, like, I think from my perspective, it's not necessarily the decision um, for it to be cancelled. There's lots of things that are pointing in the direction to say it's not right. So all right, you know, um, preparation isn't as good. Um, the quarantine necessity over there, what's going to happen, all that, I get it. The uncertainty of, of, of COVID and, and how it is, you know, there's, ma- there's, there's been a recent like flare up over there and we don't know what's going to happen, right? So I, I, all of that. What I find hard is that the genuine reason, in my opinion, when you think about all of the decisions that are being made are financially based and that and when they and they the reasoning to me is is a a softer approach for them and rather than saying honestly whether look New Zealand can't have this they don't want to host it it's it's not suitable for them whether they've made that decision whether world rugby are saying we don't have the money to be able to afford to pay for the quarantine to support all of this process 
I don't feel like the truth and the reality is being spoken about. And until that is actually spoken about on lots of levels in throughout the women's game, this isn't just about the World Cup. This is about when we talk about the domestic game and the professionalism and the insurance, which we're going to talk about and all those other things, player welfare, what we're doing to support. Very rarely do we really get into the true reality on the ground. And I think because of that, um, we're missing the opportunity for people to step in and support and work out what needs to be done to action to change because they're, they're uninformed. They don't know that they can actually make a difference by stepping in as a brand and making this decision or supporting something or getting behind certain arguments and putting their weight behind it because a lot of it, in my opinion, is behind closed doors and then um, what the public, what they feel the public should hear is said rather than what they, they deserve to hear. One thing I'd, I'd like to add to that is I have spoken to a number of um, contacts and colleagues down in New Zealand who, even before the, the proposal for postponement was made, had had conversations with me saying that they couldn't see it being a possibility because New Zealand's vaccine program is behind the rest of the world and they do not have the infrastructure to quarantine these players. Now, if that is an issue here, and it, and it comes down to that, and the New Zealand government have said, we cannot host 550 people coming in through a quarantine. That has to, as you say, that has to be put out in black and white because if this was a men's tournament, I believe that the New Zealand government would say the same thing. You'd be talking about more players there. However, there would be the ability for other unions and other nations to bid to host it. It's no secret that it's important to World Rugby to have a Women's World Cup down in the Southern Hemisphere. It hasn't happened yet, and it's, it's right, and they deserve it. However, if the ARU and Australia have been so keen to offer themselves as a host nation for the Lions, why isn't it being talked about that they could become a host nation for the Women's World Cup later this year? And they actually put in a significantly like big bid to host it and were pipped at the final post by New Zealand, which again, you know, New Zealand put in a fantastic bid and saw loads of the footage. And, you know, obviously you don't know the ins and outs of it all, of, you know, all the details, but a lot of it comes down to the women, the women's world cup. You kind of have to guarantee that one of the, the home nation is going to get all the way through, you know, you, it's the same with the men's, you, you want it to go to somewhere where you're going to have those moments where, the stadium is full with home supporters and it's going absolutely wild. You know, you don't want it to fall on, fall on his ass um, because they're out in the, in the pool stages, you know, why was Japan so successful? Because not only were they a magnificent nation, the Japanese outperformed anybody and they kept that momentum. Yeah. They kept that spirit of the, of the home nation supporters, you know, alive. And I think everyone got behind them, didn't they? Um, so, you know, probably that's one of the reasons why Australia didn't necessarily get that shot over New Zealand. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saw some of the footage, I saw some of the stuff, I spoke to some of the players with regards to the bid and it was outstanding. So it's not like that isn't a potential opportunity for them to look at. And all I want on the back of this is, and the reason I'm saying about clarity and messaging is that I know when things have been said and been people have been open. And when I've said 
as a professional player, I earned X, people's mouths hit the floor and they said, okay, that's not good enough. What can I do to support you and help? Before that, they'd never even thought that they need to help me because they just were told I was a professional player and their assumption was I was earning like three, four times the amount that I actually was. So let's talk about realities. Let's make, let's be open and honest. World Rugby, Alan Gilpin has said that he wants to make this a spectacular and the best ever Rugby World Cup. So I just want to make sure that they're putting in place a provision that allows that to happen. Because as much as we can say there's disparity in the opportunities of the players coming into this tournament, that's the historical nature of this tournament. Yeah. England is the one that pays for all of the games, whether that's flying New Zealand over or us flying to New Zealand. France pay for some fixtures. The vast majority of nations don't have many test matches going into a World Cup year and into a World Cup tournament. How are they going to change that? Yeah. Are they putting in place, you know, the global calendar that they've spoken about to increase competition, to make sure that those nations are playing so that they is this level playing field that they're saying isn't happening this year because of COVID. I know that in, histor in historical terms, it hasn't happened because of the disparity in support that unions give their women's teams. If they can say that they're going to make some changes and put in place some strategic stuff to support people, absolutely all for that. But on the other side of it, I'm heartbroken for the players that were going to retire after this and now are struggling at the thought of just like the Olympians were last year, they're struggling at the thought of another year yeah. um, at the coalface because they're earning less than a, te a teacher would earn. They're putting their bodies on the line. They're managing potential injuries. They're managing years of, you know, smashing themselves to, to wear that shirt. Um, and to hold on for another year is tough. Uh, One thing that I've, I've been really interested to see hasn't been brought up and it's something that's very specific to the women's game and there's, there's been a lot of um of coverage of this across the women's telegraph uh, across rugby pass a number of outlets but something that affects female athletes is you cannot become a mother and play at the same time but certainly in rugby terms now there will be women who were going to go to this World Cup and will be think would have been thinking, okay, that's it, I'm done. November, I'll hang up my boots and I'll start a family next year. And I know that it's it's not the most important narrative here, but it's a narrative that I think needs to be recognised, and it's something as well that needs to be recognised about the sacrifices that women make in sport compared to men. And I just I'm, I've been a little bit disappointed to see that not be presented as a a narrative over the past week. Yeah, and it's not just remember that person that's having the child, it's also the, their partner, um, you know, their their life and what that looks like. I think the other part of it is, you know, for, for the players that are professional, semi-professional or amateur, their careers and their, their opportunities for what they're doing job-wise for the future, every year they play international rugby is affected they they won't get promotions they will have to ask for extra time off you know they you know it's this constant like bartering process between yeah. you you know you and the employer and sometimes the union step in and you know and actually it's another year of doing that and actually for for employers they're gonna have to go right we'd accepted this person on a contract for however long we've accepted that they need x number of days off okay we'll go with it they're gonna have to accept it's another year of it and um, 
you know, I, I, I feel like what I really want to see is massive clarity. We get the Six Nations done and they get all of the unions in and they say, right, this is what we're going to do. This is the strategy from now until the World Cup. This is how many games people are going to be played. This is the expectation on you as unions. This is how we're going to get a spectacular, as they've said, Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Um, and then they start to go, because then with that information as a player, I can say, right, this is what this year looks like. Yeah. Am I in? Am I out? What do I need to do to make this happen? Yeah. And it's my choice then. But having spoken to some of the England girls after Six Nations, no idea what's happening. Yeah. One thing I um, I want to bring up and it'll actually lead us to the next thing that we've, we've said we'll talk about. I saw that... Um, Jess Hayden done a piece about this for Rugby Pass and, and and I won't name the male journalist, but he came back to her and said, what's the answer? And, and you know, Jess, as, as we all say, made a comment about it being about finances. And he said, well, the Welsh Rugby Union, it, it was, they were specifically talking about Wales here. The Welsh Rugby Union have reduced the amount the regions are getting and they've abandoned the Sevens programme or mothballed the Sevens programme. And I thought, you're still talking about all of the money going to the men's game in Wales where are the contracts for the women where is the money for the women and that's where it just it, it i found it startling how blasé he was about the fact that there's there's no money for the women there's you know it's not just men putting money into that union so why is there none coming out for the women and actually it brings us really neatly onto the one of the issues that we wanted to talk about this week and that is that alicia butchers has suffered a, an injury playing for bristol and she has had to crowdfund to be able to afford to pay for her treatment because the Allianz Premier 15s player does not have adequate player insurance to cover it. Yeah, so uh, the crux of it is that she does have insurance, but because she's deemed a semi-professional, it's null and void at her insurance um, because the league has been announced as a semi-professional league. Um, the the laughable side of it is that the money they earn is actually um less than the money she's now obviously got to pay out for this so um yeah i think from my perspective there's been massive strides made by the rfu investing in the 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 premiership and we've seen minimum standards introduced which has raised the standard of play significantly and you know that's to their credit so they've put in they funded um clubs and they've made sure that there's certain levels of coaching um there's um the facility availability has to hit a certain standard which actually has a massive impact on your performance yeah. um on the pitches you know everywhere they're playing is actually decent pitches um sounds silly but that's actually a really big thing um there's video analysis they have to have certain like everything is recorded now which obviously helps with knowledge and there's there's minimum standards medically, but it's more from a triage perspective. So it's actually access to care, you know, during training. But but in in Alicia's instance, it's it's when when it goes wrong and when it when you need the surgery. And unfortunately, like I said, because of the status of the league, and actually a lot of championship players get this as well, it's deemed a semi-professional, and therefore it is ridiculously expensive to cover yourself the problem is the pot of money is only so big and they've got 40 players to look after and clubs aren't willing to pay it 
from my perspective, it's not good enough. And I think what I find very, very frustrating is I was part of the player rep group that, you know, challenged and, and, and represented the players on moving the professional contracts forward for the England girls. I assumed wrongly that if you're professional as an England player, that's you kind of sorted because you're getting paid a monthly salary to go out and your club stuff is part of your England duties. Yeah. So therefore, you're being paid to do that already. Now what's transpired is that England players are also getting a pretty hefty salary from, uh, from their clubs because the clubs want to retain them. They want to have these England players. So they're saying, right, yeah, we'll pay you X. Yeah. So, and when I say the rich get richer, they're not rich. This is like very, very small amounts of money. But actually you've got, in some instances, players getting paid twice and some players receiving nothing and yeah. they're being and they're having to pay out now in my opinion the solution to this is simple you say right England players you're earning from England we don't want you to um to be paying out for clubs so the travel and the commitment and the cost of nutrition or supplements or or whatever we're going to average that out and that's what you earn whatever that might be five grand ten grand whatever not we're not going up to 10 but like yeah. five, but whatever we'll work out what the sum is so we you're definitely not paying out to play for your club yeah. but you're not earning from it and then that money is then secured what what can then happen is you haven't got clubs bidding this all of this money to get all of these england internationals and to pay people they can actually look at right let's give some minimum standards with regards to the care that we provide because fundamentally if an England player is getting paid twice that and they half their squad get injured and they're not getting looked after they can't play at a decent standard and they're not training with the best players anyway so therefore it's not benefiting them and the other side of it England are strong England are second in the world first in the world you know and and brilliant part of the the benefit and the I love about the league at the moment is the diversity of all of the nations that are now transcending into English rugby yeah. and making the league better. You've got stars from most of the Canadian side. You've got Americans down in Exeter and Spanish players and Japanese players. You've got Irish um, at Wasps. You know, there's all of these different players now, which is brilliant. That helps the women's game grow, but you've got to look after them. Yeah. One thing I will say, picking up on that though, is that I think that the Welsh Rugby Union are being absolved slightly of their responsibility here. Now, we are still waiting for contract announcements. Things may have happened behind closed doors. The girls I'm may- sure they were tweeting about them in January, yeah, right? Oh, no, last year. Post-Christmas, as my mum would say. So is Christmas. So it's one of these things where we've got this spine of players now at, at Bristol. Welsh players who are benefiting immeasurably for being involved in the Premier 15s. And every year we see more players go over. Now, the model that the SRU have had traditionally is that they have the funding to put a certain amount of players on pro contracts, but they do not have the ability to fund a pro league in Scotland. So they will pay for those players to play in the Premier 15s. The Welsh Rugby Union need to address how they strengthen rugby for the Welsh women. This is not the first time we've seen a Welsh player have to crowdfund for their treatment. Jess Kavanagh did it the year before last. This isn't good enough. It's not fair. I, I think it's the, the, it's twofold, isn't it? You know, the, the RFU, is it their responsibility to be paying for other nations, players to be insured? No, 
not really is it there you know but is it is it important for them to be saying to their clubs you must make sure that these players have x level of of, of um cover yeah of course but what i'm reading at the moment is they're actually doing the opposite but then you go, OK, so the likes of Bristol and Exeter and Sale and Harlequins and, you know, all of these clubs are saying, right, they're super proud of having their women's teams and they're flying the flag and they're making this saying, look, aren't we wonderful? Well, it's their responsibility as well, because they wouldn't see their players in the men's side go unsupported from a minimum standards perspective. And I think I just feel like we've got it completely flipped around the wrong way, paying someone a match fee or a wage all right okay might be nice but that's not a game changer that's not life changing they're gonna have to work even the England girls most of them are working as well yeah. it's actually I don't want to have to pay out to play my sport I don't want to have to buy my equipment I don't want to have to pay for my travel I don't want to have to pay for my medical cover paying out is actually the worst part not earning a small match fee um, and I think that we've and then again, the narrative is we've got this semi-professional league. Oh, my God, it's amazing. They're not telling the realities. That yeah. semi-professional league, what's the most someone's earning in that league? Yeah. When do they say that? When do they they talk about it? And the, and the players can't. And it's not for me to disclose some of the girls' earnings because I know on a personal level. But so no one ever knows. Yeah. We've got through a lot today. We've got through a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, I didn't watch a second of rugby on the weekend and I feel great for it. I've got um, a, a project on with this talentless hick from the Southwest. Um, I know that you are actually very proud of being from the Southwest this weekend because of some of the results. So <laughs> can you please give me a very quick run through of what happened in last weekend's rugby? Yeah, so... Wasps, uh, it's in the Allianz Premier 15s, Wasps beat Exeter, um, Exeter pipped it by a point, Wasps had the opportunity to steal it at the death, um, they didn't, um, it was a good game, it was a really good game, I know that there was some pretty interesting uh, referee decisions that some of the Wasps girls were pretty aggrieved at, but um, from, you know, I'm not a neutral in that situation because I'm an ex-Wasps player, but obviously as you pointed out last week, I'm from the Southwest. Yeah. Men also beat Bath. Um, they absolutely carved up in the second half. It was crazy. Um, and Cornish Pirates beat Saracens, which Ooh. is just mental. And Rob Kitson put out a tweet and I was literally like, shut the front door. Like, this is mental. Um, Rob Kitson was like, I'm following up my Exeter book with the Pirates. <laughs> and actually, you know what? It's what Saris are going to have to face every game. It's literally the Championships World Cup final when Saracens rock yeah. up in their, in their back garden. Um, you know what? But, I really fancy some of those trips, like Donny, Rotherham. There's always great pies <laughs> on sale. The fans are fun. Oh, bring back the champo. I'm ready. But anyway, the, the, I mean, other stuff in the Allianz Premier 15s. Quinns play Gloucester Hartbury. Good game, actually, um, up at the... Um, Sorry, Sports Park. Um, Mo uh, Natasha Hunt scored a try after 17 seconds. It was 17 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Burpo Di Matteo, eat your heart out. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, 
and going into that game, actually, Kelly Smith had scored 50 tries, which is really cool. And they presented her with a cap, which was just awesome. Amy Kakane in that game, if you haven't seen her on social media, check it out. Did a grubber, regathered, pick and go, try. Um, oh, and an insect. Amy Kakane is the person who gives me hope that I can play 10. <laughs> because she plays 10 when she plays for the Air Force. She's skillful though, mate. But anyway. Um, um Yes, yeah, Ari's smashed over Bristol, obviously on the rebound from losing to Waspies. Um, and Poppy Cleal got a 50th try as well, which is quite cool. Um, and that's about it, really. As I say, I didn't watch loads of rugby because my sky was off and the old, it wasn't as good watching it on my iPad as it was on the TV. Um, well, you'll get your pigeon tape tomorrow. Uh, a quick reminder to get your match pint score predictions in. We will have three games this weekend. We will separate the men from the boys, the girls from the women, but hopefully to celebrate International Women's Day, we will maintain female leadership at the top of both the Tryhards League and the Legends League. That's probably the most important thing. I'm not going to give away any of my suggestions because I'm... Uh... I'm struggling a little bit. Same. We'll see you next week, guys. Cheers. Sorry for the moan. <laughs>